0: Welcome to Study Gateway's First Listens, where you get first listens to the first sessions on Study Gateway so you can find your next video Bible study. Hi there. I'm your host, Shelley Leith. And before we start this session with Kyle Eidelman's newest study, I want everyone to be aware that by just listening to this podcast, you can get a 15% discount on any subscription plan at Study Gateway for the life of your subscription using code PODCAST15 that code works on any plan, any type, personal, small group or church, and monthly plans or annual. Go ahead and write that down, podcast 15. And thank you for being a podcast listener. We're in season five, which we are calling summer self-care. We're listening to Bible studies that offer ideas for us to be kind to ourselves, attend our needs, and find ways to live a better life. In today's episode, we get to hear the first episode of the brand new study from Kyle Eidelman a month before anyone else gets it. When Your Way Isn't Working is Kyle's newest Bible study, and I predict it's going to strike a chord with all of us. Kyle Eidelman is the lead pastor of one of the largest churches in the country, Southeast Christian in Louisville, Kentucky. And he's perhaps best known for his book, Not a Fan. In today's session, you're going to hear him say this. If you're feeling frustrated or tired or overwhelmed or stressed or anxious or discouraged or depressed, my counsel to you would have been pretty straightforward. Stop feeling that way and do something about it. And that approach worked for me really well, I suppose, until it didn't. And I'm thankful for someone who sat down and helped me see that I needed to ask for help. I'm so pleased to bring you session one from Kyle Eidelman's When Your Way Isn't Working called Diagnosing Disconnection.
1: Sometimes when your way isn't working, you're the last one to notice it. Some of the people around us may be aware of it long before we are. I guess that's just human nature, right? Like we can recognize it in other people, but it's harder to look in the mirror and see what needs attention. I had a hard time sometimes seeing it in me. If you're like me, then... You'll listen to this study, you'll watch these videos, and you'll have no problem thinking of certain people that need to hear it. But the title of this study isn't when his way isn't working or when her way isn't working. It's when your way isn't working. When someone confronts us with the idea that something in our life needs attention, our first response is usually going to be defensiveness, or maybe we minimize things and dismiss it, say, ah, it's no big deal. we blame the people around us my way isn't working because it's not my fault it's their fault when i was first confronted with the idea that maybe there were some things in my life that weren't working as well as i thought they were or as well as i wanted other people to believe i was in a uh, i was in a coffee shop i was waiting for a friend to show up i thought we were just catching up on life to be honest though i had a lot of things Going on that day, really didn't have time to meet with him, but I'd already canceled a couple times and knew we needed to connect. Increasingly, I was having a difficult time connecting with people when there was no agenda or nothing to accomplish. He showed up and I almost immediately let him know that it was good to see him, but didn't have a lot of time. I'm sure he noticed that every few minutes I checked my phone and several times I had to return text messages that just couldn't wait. And then as we sat in that coffee shop, he said something to me. He said, hey, I have a friend who's an executive coach, and I think you should give him a call. He recognized that my way wasn't working. He gently explained that I hadn't been myself lately. And if I'm honest, I tell you the things that he said I would already been hearing from my wife that... Uh, I was less engaged and present with people around me. I seemed tired and disconnected. I was more um, irritable, more easily annoyed. Uh, My initial response was, I guess, a combination of being dismissive and then defensive. But deep down, I knew he was right. I just wasn't sure what to do about it. I've never been someone who is easily discouraged or easily worn out, but the last number of months had just been especially challenging and the people around me, they could see that I was struggling, but I didn't want to talk about it. Like I was struggling with the fact that I was struggling, which made me struggle with my struggling even more. Uh, The people around me had to see it for themselves because they weren't going to hear about it from me. I mean, not to brag but I'm like really good at not asking people for help. Super good at it. I I think it's hard for me because I don't want to be perceived as weak and I worry that asking for help comes off as whiny. If there's one thing I have a hard time with, it's grown adults, especially men who whine. I even have a Bible verse for it, Philippians 2, 14, do everything without grumbling or complaining. I used to keep that verse posted on a wall in both my house and at my office, not so much as like a reminder to me, but as a warning to everybody else. If you're feeling frustrated or tired or overwhelmed or stressed out or anxious or discouraged or depressed, my counsel to you would have been pretty straightforward. Uh, Stop feeling that way and do something about it. And that approach worked for me really well. I suppose, until it didn't. And I'm thankful for someone who sat down and helped me see that I needed to ask for help. I needed to reprioritize my connection with Jesus and with some of the people around me. If I, if I could, I would invite you to sit down and have coffee with me. And I would ask you how your way is working. I would tell you that being honest with yourself and others about what's hard or what doesn't seem to be working, it's not whining, it isn't complaining, it's actually courageous. It didn't take long for me to realize that my executive coach was really a therapist who just called himself an executive coach so people like me would make appointments with him. And I was honest with him. I told him I wasn't burnt out, but I was worn out. I felt like I was always disappointing someone that I was struggling with feelings of inadequacy. That my relationships with friends and family were just getting my emotional leftovers. I felt discouraged, and I felt discouraged about my discouragement. He ended our time together by asking me a question. It's a question that I might ask you if we were sitting down in a coffee shop together. He asked How would you say that's working for you? Maybe that question is too general, so let me be a little more specific. Just take a couple of minutes and think through some answers to these questions. Would the people you're closest to say that when they talk to you, you listen well? If you're not sure, ask them and then listen well. Is it difficult for you to turn your thoughts off when you're trying to fall asleep at night? How do you spend the first 15 minutes of your morning? What's the last passage of Scripture you read and meditated on? Are you having a difficult time keeping commitments that you've made? Have you been more irritable and easily annoyed with the people around you lately? Do you spend more time on social media or more time in prayer? And on a scale of 1 to 10, how defensive and annoyed do you get with these questions? And for too long, my approach to my way not working was to try my way of making things work. And I needed a different way than my way. And I found it in the words of Jesus to his closest followers in John chapter 15. In that chapter, Jesus knows he's down to his final moments with his disciples. They don't realize that this is the end of their time with Jesus here on earth, but he knows it. He knows full well what's coming. He knows the uncertainty they will experience in the days ahead. He knows the challenges they will face and the struggles they'll deal with. He knows how overwhelmed they will be by the mission he's going to give them he knows how people will misunderstand them and falsely accuse them he knows that they will soon feel worn out and weak and jesus knows that if his disciples try to do things their way it's just not going to work
0: I can so relate to Kyle when he says, and for too long, my approach to my way not working was to try my way of making things work. Does that resonate with you too? We're listening to Kyle Eidelman's first session of when your way isn't working. As a bonus for our listeners, we have unlocked session one on Study Gateway so you can go there and watch the entire first session for free. When Your Way Isn't Working is published by Harper Christian Resources and it streams on Study Gateway. For our First listens listeners, when you use the promo code podcast15 at studygateway.com, you'll get any size of plan for yourself, your small group, or your whole church at a 15% savings for life. And for a complete experience with When Your Way Isn't Working, Take advantage of our publisher direct pricing on the essential Bible study guide designed to be used with the videos. This study guide gives you the discussion questions for your group and the personal exercises to dig deeper into the scriptures on your own between sessions. Get all the details at studygateway.com. And now back to Kyle Eidelman.
1: We'll unpack some of these words in this study together, but I just want you to listen to what Jesus says to them in John 15, verse five. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can't do anything. That phrase, you can't do anything. I think that captures the exasperation of your way not working. You feel like you've put in the work, but you're not seeing the results. Despite your good intentions and maybe even your disciplined routines, you're just not seeing the gains. There are some other ways we might translate, can't do anything. We might say, nothing seems to be working. I can't catch a break. The deck's stacked against me. What's the point? I've tried everything. One of my, um, <laughs> one of my favorite news stories from last year had this headline, California mom crushed to learn plant she watered for two years is fake. And here's a quote uh, from the story. Uh, Callie Wilkes was her name. And she says, I was so proud of this plant. It was full of beautiful color. I wanted it to be perfect. I had been watering the plant and had a watering plan for it. I just wanted to keep good care of it. And she said, I absolutely loved my succulent, which is the kind of plant it was. But she discovered it was fake. How did she discover it was fake? Well, one day she decided to transplant the succulent into a larger container and discovered (laughs) the the plant was plastic. And Wilkes goes on to say, I put so much love into that plant. I washed its leaves, tried my hardest to keep it looking its best, and it was completely plastic. And she says in the article, how did I not know? Uh, that's a good question. I had other questions about this story. Like if a news outlet asked me about my plastic plant that I had been watering for two years without realizing it was plastic, I would respond with uh, no comment. I would make accusations of fake news. The second question I would have for Callie is, like, how did she not know? If you're watering a plastic plant, where's the water go? Apparently, succulents require very little water, and she wasn't giving it much to begin with, and she just simply thought the excess water was not getting soaked up. And so she has since replaced the plant with several real succulents, and she threw away the one that was fake. And when I read that story, I I thought of how we often live our lives. Just how foolish you would feel if you spent years caring for a fake plant because you thought it was real. I mean, imagine spending all kinds of time and energy on something that you know is never going to produce any real fruit. And, and this is the picture of the frustration and futility of continuing to do things your way when your way isn't working. We might work at it and give attention to it, but in the end, it's not real and we've got nothing to show for it. When nothing you're doing seems to be working, Jesus gives you a metaphor to help you know what to focus on. And really, it all comes down to one word. It's the word connection. Jesus says that he is the vine and we're the branches. And as long as we stay connected to him, we'll bear much fruit. But apart from that, apart from him, nothing really works the way that it should. The word that keeps showing up in this metaphor as Jesus unpacks it for his followers is the word remain. The English Standard Version translates it as abide. It actually shows up 11 times in these verses. And so in his final moments, Jesus tells his followers again and again and again, stay connected to me. When your way isn't working, there's almost always a connection issue. For many years, sitting on my desk in my office was a grapevine. The vine came up from a large vase that was filled with dirt, and connected to the vine were these sprawling branches that went across my desk. It was a reminder to me that, like, my primary job description, like the singular best practice for me as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a pastor, is to be the branch. There are a number of things I can get wrong if I get that one thing right. And honestly, it doesn't matter what else I get right if I get that one thing wrong. I know that language like remaining or abiding or staying connected, it doesn't seem overly helpful. Uh, maybe your preference would be to have like a list of actions, steps, and boxes to check. I know that when my way is not working, That's what I want. I want a to-do list. I want to know what I need to do in order to take control. I want to be able to put in the work so I can fix what's broken. That's the way we tend to think. We think about production rather than connection as a way to fix what isn't working. Staying connected, maybe it seems too passive, but what we're gonna see together is that the personal practices that are needed to lead a deeply connected life They don't just happen. It requires intentionality to have that kind of deep connection with Jesus and others. It all begins by diagnosing our disconnection, by recognizing, I need some help. Being the branch starts when you acknowledge that you are humbly dependent on the vine.
0: Think about production rather than connection when you're trying to fix what isn't working? I am loving this new study by Kyle Eidelman. When Your Way Isn't Working is a video Bible study published by Harper Christian Resources and streaming on Study Gateway. And if you go to Studygateway.com, you'll find this first session of When Your Way Isn't Working is unlocked and accessible to you to watch in its entirety for free. Here at Study Gateway, you can find your favorite teachers. Pastors and authors all in one place. We're the only streaming video subscription service that offers plans for individuals, small groups, and has user based pricing for churches, no matter what the size. And don't forget, you can use the promo code PODCAST15 to get a 15% savings on the plan of your choice. And that discounted rate lasts as long as you keep your subscription. With Gateway, you also get a direct link to our store, where you get publisher direct pricing on the essential Bible study guide for When Your Way Isn't Working. This study guide, with its exercises and projects and discussion questions, helps you get the most out of this study. Is When Your Way Isn't Working going to be your next study? Get started right now by going to StudyGateway.com, click Start Free Trial, and use the promo code PODCAST15 at checkout. Make sure you rate and review this podcast so other people can find this show too. And come back next week for another exciting episode in our season of summer self-care. See you next time on Study Gateway's First Listens.